But we are finishing up, actually, our Stand Firm series, talking about the need for perseverance. And last week, we're getting that same hum we had last week uh, as well. I don't know, sound guys, if you can figure that out. Um, Last week, I shared on the life of Joseph, but we only got part way. Joseph is a, a great story and occupies, actually, the largest portion of Genesis, more Uh, uh, more of Genesis is devoted to the story of Joseph than even Abraham. And uh, we ended last week with Joseph imprisoned after his brothers had betrayed him, threw him into a pit, then sold him into slavery. He ended up uh, excelling in his job as a slave and became the master of all the slaves of Potiphar. But then uh, uh, Potiphar's wife tried to seduce him and then uh, wrongfully accused Joseph of rape. And Joseph ends up in, in the dungeon, in the prison. Uh, but even there, he uh, is recognized uh, and God promotes him to the chief of the prison. And so he actually ended up running the prison for the warden. And uh, we ended the story there, but it continues on. And we're going to jump in at, at this point in the service. There we go. We are in Genesis 40. Of course, it's, it's too long of a story. If I just read the text of the whole story, it would take more than uh, an hour or, uh, that we'd have for the whole service. So we're just going to jump into different passages. Um, and at this point, uh, we find that uh, Joseph is running the prison, and uh, this happens. Genesis 40, verse 1 through 8 says, It came to pass after these things that the butler and the baker of the king of Egypt offended their lord, the king of Egypt, and Pharaoh was angry with his two officers, the chief butler and the chief baker. So he put them in custody in the house of the captain of the guard, in the prison, the place where Joseph was confined. And the captain of the guard charged Joseph with them, And Joseph, he served them. And so they were in custody for a while. Then the butler and the baker of the king of Egypt, who were confined in the prison, had a dream. Both of them, each man's dream, in one night, and each man's dream with its own interpretation. And Joseph came to them in the morning and looked at them and saw that they were sad. So he asked Pharaoh's officers, who were with him in the custody of the Lord's house, saying, Why do you look so sad today? And they said to him, we have each had a dream, and there is no interpreter of it. So Joseph said to them, do not interpretations belong to God? Tell them to me, please. It's interesting here that we see several characteristics of Joseph uh, in this story. He continues to be a servant. And that was one of the main points that we learned last week, that in every situation, Joseph chose to serve. So even though he's wrongfully in prison, he's serving. And then he has the opportunity to serve both the butler and the baker of Pharaoh. And listen, perseverance through hardship requires an attitude of servitude. Amen? Perseverance. We all, life is perseverance. And we we enjoy the good times. And it's right and fitting to enjoy good times. And Jesus died so that we could have life to the fullest. But he also promised that in this world we would have tribulation. 
And saints, it's in the times of tribulation and the times of hardship that we need to persevere. And in order to persevere, we need to have the heart of a servant. Attitude of servitude. Being a servant is the opposite of living with entitlement. And if there's one thing that's epidemic today in our culture, in addition to that little germ you may have heard about, it's people infected with entitlement. People walk around thinking they deserve everything, when in fact, we deserve damnation. We deserve hell, each and every one of us. And so whatever good thing we have, we should, we should be thankful for it. And we should see ourselves as servants. And Joseph's life demonstrated it. But Jesus also commanded this. In Matthew 20, we read, Jesus called them, his disciples, together and said, You know that the rulers in this world lorded over their people and officials flaunt their authority over those under them. But among you, it will be different. And as I read that, I just saw that as a prophetic declaration. He doesn't say it should be different. Jesus said it will be different. Because his true followers live this way. Many people go to church. Actually, I was in a discussion with uh, a couple of people, and they were talking about this philosopher, and they were really intrigued. It was actually, uh, I forget the person's name. <clears throat> Apparently, he's quite well known. And uh, <laughs> I don't know him. I, was, I hadn't heard of him before. And the one person wanted to know if the guy was a Christian, so they did some Googling, and it turns out the guy, he says, yes, I am a Christian. But then he said, do you believe in God? And he said, no. He said, no. I said, how can he say he's a Christian and, and, and doesn't believe in God? He's not a Christian. He's a moralistic humanist. He wants, to, he wants the benefits of Christianity without paying the price, and the price of Christianity is that you will face a Lord, and His name is Jesus Christ. And you and I and every man, woman, and child will give account for the actions that they've done and the life they've lived. And you can't just ascribe to the morality, the good teachings of Jesus without realizing that He also taught that He is Lord and Savior of all. And so when he says this, it will be different among his followers. It's differentiating those who are his true followers versus those who just claim to be Christian for whatever reason. His true followers will be servants and live a life of servitude. And in that, fine honor. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be a servant. And whoever wants to be first among you must be your slave. Come on, let's sign up for slavery. We're going to change serve Sundays. When we sign up for volunteer roles. <laughs> for even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many, you say you want to follow Jesus, you want to be like Jesus, what would Jesus do? He would die by doing whatever he could to serve you, to serve the least of those among you. 
And that's what we're called to, to live as Christians. Second thing we see in uh, Joseph's lives that kind of blew me away is that he still believed in dreams. Wow. His dreams got him thrown into a pit, right. <laughs> sold into slavery, put in the prison. You'd think by then he'd say, I'm going to give up on this old dream business. It's a bunch of hooey. <laughs> but he didn't get embittered. Likewise, we must stand firm and not become bitter when we endure hardship. Joseph ends up interpreting the butler's dream as a prediction of the butler's restoration to freedom, and he interprets the baker's dream as a prediction of the baker being convicted of treason and being beheaded. And it came true. And he only asks one thing of the butler. He says, when you, when you get in front of Pharaoh, plead, plead my case. I'm here wrongfully. Please put in a good word for me. But guess what? The butler goes back to work and forgets about Joseph. For two more years, Joseph endures in the prison, uh, seemingly without a hope. But then... <clears throat> The, the Pharaoh had a dream, and uh, uh, his servant, the butler, remembered. We read this in chapter 41, verse 9 through 16 of Genesis. It says, the chief butler spoke to Pharaoh, saying, Ah, I remember my faults this day. When Pharaoh was angry with his servant and put me in custody in the house of the, ca- uh, house of the captain of the guard, both me and the chief baker, we each had a dream one night. He and I, each of us dreamed according to the interpretation of his own dream. And there was a young Hebrew man there with us, a servant of the captain of the guard. And we told him, and he interpreted our dreams for us to each man. He interpreted according to his dream. And it came to pass, pass just as he interpreted for us. So it happened. He restored me to my office and he hanged him, the baker. Then Pharaoh sat and called Joseph and brought him quickly out of the dungeon. And he shaved, changed his clothes, and came to Pharaoh. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, I have had a dream and there is no one who can interpret it. But I have heard it said of you that you can understand a dream uh, to interpret it. So Joseph said to Pharaoh, saying, it is not in me. God will give Pharaoh an answer of peace. Joseph, unfazed by this sudden change of his circumstances. Can you imagine spending years and years in prison? And then all of a sudden, the guards come rushing in, pull you out of that prison, drag you down, throw you in a chair, clean you up, shave you, give you a new set of clothes. What's going on? Oh, you're going to see Pharaoh. Oh, wow. What happened? And, and, and Joseph at this point uh, just, just responded in that steady, firm yeah. faith that he had demonstrated for the years and years uh, previously. And he clearly communicates his faith in God. He doesn't take credit for it. He doesn't even say, yeah, I'll, I'll help you, Pharaoh. No, he, he turns the attention to his Lord. And he says, it's not me. God will give Pharaoh an answer 
So not only does he still believe in dreams, but he believes in the God who gives dreams. And he believes in the God who has the ability to fulfill the dreams that he gives. And Joseph goes on to accurately interpret. Listen, if you've never read the story, you're missing one of the best stories of, of, of all of his recorded writing. It's a great story. I encourage you to read the whole of it. In fact, this, this Bible is actually a great book to read. You <laughs> should consider it. Uh, <laughs> Uh, Joseph actually interprets uh, Pharaoh's dream as predicting seven years of plentiful harvest, followed by seven years of famine. And then he recommends Pharaoh find a wise person to put in charge to collect reserves those first seven years and enable the nation to survive the following uh, seven years of famine. And so this is uh, uh, Pharaoh's response. He says, the advice was good in the eyes of Pharaoh. And in the eyes of all his servants, and Pharaoh said to his servants, can we find such a one as this, a man in whom is the Spirit of God? So Pharaoh said to Joseph, inasmuch as God has shown you all this, there is no one as discerning and wise as you. You shall be over my whole house and over my people, and all my people shall be ruled according to your word. Only in regard to the throne will I be greater than you. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, see... I have set you over all the land of Egypt. And Pharaoh took his signet ring off his hand and put it on Joseph's hand. And he clothed him in garments of fine linen and put a gold chain around his neck. And he had him ride in the second chariot, which he had. And they cried out before him, bow the knee. And so he set him over all the land of Egypt. Wow. What a powerful change of events in the life of this young man, Joseph. Uh, Even Pharaoh recognized that the Spirit of God was upon him. Finally, Joseph is raised up and becomes a ruler, just like he had seen in those childhood dreams when everyone else would bow down to him. He's no longer a a naive, possibly a little arrogant, we don't know, (laughs) when he was a kid of 17 telling his brothers and his parents that they would bow down to him. You know, I think he was just innocent and naive. Now, he's a man of 30, so it's been many, many years. He's 30 years old, and he's had a proven lifestyle of servant leadership throughout every situation that he's been in, having endured 13 years of unimaginable suffering without doing anything really to warrant it. My question to, to you and I is, how long are we willing to suffer while we wait for the promises of God to be fulfilled? All right? How long are we willing to endure falsely being accused and being mistreated? How quick are we to lose faith in what God has promised uh, and give in to the circumstances? Think of how many times Joseph could have given in and given up after all those years in, 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 in slavery to Potiphar and then in prison, after the treatment he received from his brothers, after being separated from everything he knew, but he didn't. How often we give in to the circumstances and don't endure until we see the fulfillment. Saints, we need to persevere and stand firm. God is far more concerned with developing our character than he is our career. Amen? 
We need to see through the lens of God's purpose is that he's developing you and I to be eternal reflections of his nature. All right, so what happens in this brief time that we call life, maybe we live 50, 60, 80, 100 years. That's nothing. That's just incubation period where we're developed. And we need to see that God is using our experiences to develop us. And so Joseph's life as it portrayed and Jesus commands, if we want to be a leader, we must learn to serve and be a servant. If we want to be first, we must learn to be the lowest and be a slave. And I would ask you, how can you demonstrate? And I challenge you to find ways to be a servant, to demonstrate the heart of a servant this week. In practical ways. So that like the butler, remember, there was, a, there was a Hebrew man in there, and he served. He described Joseph as a servant all the way through. He described, Jesus said, this is the main characteristic. If you want to be promoted in my kingdom, you need to serve. And so how can you find a way to serve? How can you serve? How can we serve those around us in hardship despite our own hardship. And this is what happens. You have problems. I have problems. Welcome to the human race. (laughs) Having difficulties is not an excuse for not serving. Because there's someone out there that has something, that's going through something harder than you are. Or maybe you can share a little to help them, even though you only have a little to share. How can we serve those in our community who are or feel oppressed? And whether they are or it's just a perception, it's real to them. Oppressed by poverty or racism. How can we serve them? Oppressed by illness or wrongful accusation or just bad fortune. How can we serve them? Jesus served us and died for us. Did we deserve it? Was there a list of qualifications that we had to meet before we were able to benefit from Jesus' life and death? No, none of us deserved it. He served us in spite of that, and we are to live Christ-like by serving those in spite of how they're living, because that is the grace that changes people's life. To live Christ-like requires a servant's heart that is demonstrated to those around us It's not in our knowledge of doctrine, and this is the big error that uh, especially American Christianity is falling into, that, boy, if you just know the right ideas, then then you're right. And that's not true. All right, we need to know right doctrine. It's pretty important. (laughs) But that doesn't make us Christ-like. It's not in our political inclination. We might have the right ideology. And I like what Bill shared. We didn't talk about this ahead of time. Uh, It's important, but that doesn't make us Christ-like. It's by sacrificially living and serving whoever and wherever we are that we display the grace of Christ Jesus. And when we display his grace by serving others, we open up the door to enable the kingdom of God to come and bring about a change of our circumstances. Amen? Amen. Okay, I got to get to this part of the story because the famine spread and it had actually affected his family living back in Palestine. 
uh, which is now Israel, and uh, in, in, in the land of Israel, and uh, many days journey from where Egypt was, and his brothers and his father had no more food, and Jacob, you got to read the story, actually looks at his sons and said, why are you, why are you just sitting there? <clears throat> Go get some food from Egypt. And uh, it's great, and they end up going down. It's a very long and intricate story, beautiful to read. But um, uh, So they'd actually come and, and bought food and, and gone back, and this is uh, a return trip. And, and Joseph actually hid his appearance to his brothers because Understand, the Egyptians dressed very differently than the Hebrews, and Joseph was a ruler in the Egyptian, the second in command of the nation, and so he was wearing all the royal garbs, and so, uh, and they would actually wear makeup. Uh, So, (laughs) um, you know, they they didn't recognize him, and then they thought he was dead, or a slave. They had no idea. They hadn't seen him in years. Uh, Joseph could not restrain, finally, after the second or third time that he, his brothers were brought before him, uh, he couldn't restrain himself before all those who stood by him, and he cried out, Make everyone go out from me! So no one stood with him while Joseph made himself known to his brothers. He revealed his identity to his brothers. And he wept aloud, and the Egyptians and the house of Pharaoh heard it. Then Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph! Does my father still live? But his brothers could not answer him, for they were dismayed in his presence. They were shocked. And Joseph said to his brother, please come near to me. So they came there. And then he said, I am Joseph, your brother, whom you sold in the, uh, uh, into Egypt. But now do not therefore be grieved or angry with yourself because you sold me here. For God sent me before you to preserve life. For these two years, the famine has been in the land and there will still Uh, And there are still five years in which it will be neither plowing nor harvesting. And God sent me before you to preserve a posterity for you in the earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. So now it was not you who sent me here, but God. And he made me a father to Pharaoh, lord of all of his house, and a ruler throughout all the land of Egypt. Hurry and go up and get my father and say to him, Thus says your son Joseph, God has made me Lord of all Egypt. Come down to me, do not tarry. You shall uh, dwell in the land of Goshen, and you shall be near to me, you and your children, your children's children, your flocks and your herds, and all that you have. There I will provide for you, at you uh, uh, least you and your household and all that you have come to poverty. And there, uh, for there are still five Uh, More years of famine. Wow, this is nine years later. Joseph is 39 before he he had the dream when he was 17. And it wasn't until he was 39, after all of those years, that he was able to reveal his identity himself and see the fulfillment of those childhood dreams as his brothers are bowing before him, uh, asking for help in the famine. Can you imagine? 39 years old. Though he was a ruler in Egypt, listen, there's another way that he demonstrates perseverance. He was still estranged from his family. He was living in a very pagan culture, and he had unlimited power and wealth. Okay? Just think about that. If you suddenly became, and we see this in young people that that get super famous, super fast, and super rich, what happens? They end up 
getting super stupid and doing really bad things. <laughs> right? And so as happened with Joseph, all of a sudden he was in charge of the uh, largest, most powerful, most wealthy nation on planet Earth. And frankly, could do whatever he wanted because the morals of Egypt were pretty lax. But he demonstrated perseverance, standing firm in his faith, and even remaining humble, not giving in to the temptations of the Egyptian culture. Listen, he could have easily have seen his brothers and had them all executed or put in prison or tortured or anything he wanted. But he actually, uh, what he wanted was restored relationship. He recognized that through all the hardship, God was leading him. God was leading him, and he didn't carry anger, bitterness, or a grudge against his brothers. And in fact, he continues to serve them by promising to provide for them and to provide for his families. So like Joseph, we too... You know, remember Pharaoh saw that it was the spirit of God was in Joseph. Listen, if you're a Christ follower, if you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, if you believe that when he hung on that cross, he paid the penalty for your sin, that he took your sin, not just the penalty of it, but the sin itself off of you, and he took it to the grave with him, and he rose with resurrection power, and he shares with you that resurrection power on one condition, that you accept him as he is, Lord and Savior. And so if you bow your knee and your heart and your will to Jesus as Lord and Savior, guess what? Same Holy Spirit that was in Joseph is available to dwell in you. And that same Holy Spirit will enable you to endure hardship in the same way that Joseph did and demonstrate the Holy Spirit reproduces the character and nature of Christ in us. Demonstrate Christ-like character. Uh, So we must look beyond those who are the cause of our hardship and see God's purposes. Okay, do you get that? You get fired from a job, you can blame your boss and get mad at that boss. Or you can say, God, how are you going to use this to position me to be something even better? What can I learn? How can I serve? Uh, in whatever situation that you find yourself in, you need to look at it through the lens of what is God's purpose here. And it could have, it was, it could have been very easy for Joseph to become angry and upset and, and actually upset with God. And I've seen so many people over in my 30-plus years of ministry, somehow they get mad at God. I'm like, God's back there rooting for you. He's doing everything to get you out of this. Yeah, you're in a mess. Maybe part of it's your fault, part of it's other people's fault. But God's there trying to provide a way out. And we must not give in in to the temptations of the world that we're living in, nor the feelings of bitterness, betrayal, or anger. Those feelings are normal, but you don't give in to them and let them control your life. You realize that God has a purpose, and you stand firm, and you persevere, and you believe God's promise. And this promise, this is a famous one. I actually wanted to read the whole second half of that chapter 8, but I knew I would be out of time. So I'm just going to read the one verse. But you should read the following verses, because after this verse, which everybody likes to quote, it actually talks about suffering, enduring hardship, tribulation, and that we're all sentenced to die. 
And in that context, we know that God causes everything to work together for good. To those who love God, you love God, I love God. And are called according to his purpose for them. So despite our consequences, despite our hardship, despite people betraying us, letting us down, and the discouragement of life, you can stand firm. Why? Because the Holy Spirit is available to live in you. Why? Because Jesus Christ died for you. All you have to do is accept that. You don't have to understand it. I don't understand it. I don't know how it all works. If your God uh, fits into your understanding, you are worshiping an idol. Because God is bigger than any of us can understand. All right? I worship a God. I don't understand most of what he is. It's way beyond my capacity. And I'm thankful for that. I rejoice in that. I rest in that. That I don't understand, but I, 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 I love and serve a God that I know understands. And I know he's in control. And you can have that same peace that passes our understanding by putting your trust in, in, in Jesus. And just like Joseph demonstrated, endure the hardships of life and persevere. Amen? <clears throat> Let's close in a word of prayer before we bring up the Browers and the McKees. Would you join with me? <clears throat> Father, we thank you for the great story that we find of Joseph and and all the, all the stories that are in your word that encourage us and challenge us. But Father, I pray that everyone here and everyone online listening to this message uh, would have their own story. Lord, that they would persevere and be able to have a story of how you demonstrated your faithfulness through hardship. And God, I pray that no one would give up or give in in the middle of the battle but each person would be empowered and imbued with uh, grace from on high to stand firm to whatever you've called them to and recognize that you have a purpose for them, as your word says, and that each and every one of us would step into that purpose and be faithful to fulfill it. In the name of uh, your son, Jesus, amen, amen.